Uh, I do have one question before we get started. I got to see. No. Okay. I wanted, I randomly this morning watched uh, on TikTok, a woman trying to twitch and game and stream and she had oh. her claws like the long, Oh my God. Yeah. I don't, I don't uh, fuck um, unless you're using controller because uh, there's oh, she was on a computer. Oh, she was using mouse and keyboard. And uh, I was like, how in the fuck is this woman doing that? It was amazing. When I use uh, my stilettos, I normally don't. Um, there's been a couple times, like during haunt season, because I'll put them on and then they'll stay on. Uh, haunt season and events are really the only time I put them on. I don't do them for streaming because, like, they're so like I have to type like I'm yeah. 75. Um, it's not. It's not a good time. See, that's what so. I thought. I just assumed that it would be like impossible to do that, but. Apparently, I mean, she looked like she was killing it, but... Well, I mean, like, you got to think as well, like, can you imagine doing all the things women do with nails like that? Oh, dude, I, I've joked for years, especially in so much fashion stuff, just the high heels and the platforms and the, uh-huh. just how difficult different articles of clothing are to wear and shit like that. So it's, yeah. it's just one of those things, like, it feels like that would be a thing that you would just like to make my life easier. If this is my main source of income and my, you know... I would probably utilize the tools given to me more effectively than have it. I mean, yeah. I'm not talking little. They were like probably three quarters of an inch to an inch beyond the tips of her fingers. And she Mine was, are usually like about yay. Big. I know yours are claws. That's why I was like, yeah. I got, it popped in my head. I was like, fuck, I got to look now. It's not, yeah, it's not fun. I, I, uh, I understand a little bit for women why they usually what are they which ones are they the these three right mm-hmm. that they trim them short i always see like women they'll have one hand mm-hmm. and i'm like oh you got the you got the uh what is it the streamline look and then they just look at me and narrow their eyes and i'm like i'm, I'm just fucking with you yeah. um but when i had my suspension uh i i was wearing them and uh i had to have the uh lady who threw my hooks assist me in the bathroom i've gotten better at it since then but it's not for a guy it's uh it's difficult it's difficult for sure yeah i i can only imagine i don't know i the number of times where i one of the the things i buy from my female friends that do use wear nails a lot or get their nails done Mm -hmm. a lot i always get them um a little pair of pliers or a little set of tweezers and like what is that for it's like you're going to know what it's for the first time you need it. And it's usually yeah. when they get their ATM card stuck in a gas pump. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Like, yeah. That's I thing. had never experienced that uh, till like last year. And that was infuriating because I was like, can't. <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend who goes to the college here and she, she couldn't get her key card out. So she was locked out of her apartment and her key was in the door and you have to pull it out to open the door. So she was just oh. stuck in the hall. And when I for showed someone. up, oh yeah, went, well, and when I showed up to help her out, because she's like, are you nearby? I was like, yes, I went by her, I knew where she was, and I went by her place, and it was funny, because I walk in, and I'm not a student, so they're like, people are looking at me weird, I'm like, I'm here to rescue someone, and I just <laughs> run it up the stairs, and I get around the corner, and she's just like Charlie Brown style, just head, forehead on the door, just both bags down to her side, <laughs> just obviously pissed. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, anyway. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things that popped into my head this morning. Like, don't forget to ask. Don't forget to look. And I knew I was going to if I didn't fucking. Usually I have to write it down. Otherwise, yeah. I'll. Well, and that's my thing is when I noticed it, I was not around my office or home or anything. And I, I usually take I take most of my notes on my phone. Yeah, same. 
So I was like, fuck, I got to do this. And then I was doing other shit and then the phone rang and I, yeah, it's just, I, I get distracted. So yeah. But as soon as I saw your picture, I'm like, fuck, I better not, I better do this right away. <laughs> I will forget. Um, so yeah, this is the closet of nonsense appropriately named because we have no idea what we're doing still just, you know, three years in, you'd think we'd have a concept. And I think our concept is that we have no concept. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that it is a concept. Yeah. It's, it's like the antithesis of logic, but I'm okay with it. So, and uh, the first thing we're going to do is, I mean, you go by with this characterization, you are Sam Hain. Mm-hmm. How yeah. many times a week, month, year? I mean, I, I know that, that it's pronounced Sawin or mm-hmm. Sawin, depending on which region you're from. Yeah. Or the, the time, the Halloween time. But as your name, did you just make it because it's easier to say Sam or, and how actually, often mis- mispronounced? Uh, actually, no. Um I, I thought for the character, um, obviously, you know, but I'll describe it for people that don't. I picked uh, Sam Hain because I obviously it was from Sawin and I felt that that was a good representation of what I wanted to do with the character. I, I thought I know. So the visually I'll, I'll admit that for the time being, but just the general vibe was supposed to be, and still is, uh, just Halloween all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be at parties or events or at haunted houses, I wanted to evoke the the feeling of Halloween all the time. So I picked the the name from Sawin, obviously, and then my purpose with the pronunciation. Originally, I, I chose to describe it to people as a bastardization of the name, but then I realized, like, saying it that way might be offensive to like people that are very much prescribed to the the Wiccan uh, religion and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's not really what I'm trying to convey. That was just the first thing that came to mind. So it's more just, um, I felt it was more like a masculine sounding name, Sam Hain, as opposed to Sawin. Sawin to me sounds, it could be androgynous or more feminine in my mind. Um, and then, I don't know, I want to say like five or six years ago, uh, when me and, uh, well, it'd be four or five now. When me and Svetka got together at the the place I was living, everyone just started calling me Sam for short. Um, and then it's just, I don't, I don't think besides in my day-to-day like work, no one calls me by my legal name anymore. So it's just Sam. So that to answer your question about, did I choose it? No, that it just kind of was like a weird progression into that. But your second question, how many times I have to, uh, correct people not that many i get more people who try to correct me because they're like you're saying it wrong oh gotcha i i know that i it's on purpose it's okay it'll be all right and then they try to send me uh like celtic or uh wicked memes about Sawin. like yeah yeah i know i've seen that one i i also have the internet so thank you for helping (laughs) where what is this wonderful device that you're sending me all the facts from uh yeah well and a lot of people because like i say this whole the one part we've kept with is that i don't appear on camera except there's a couple Mm -hmm. times that i've been kind of some weird effects and stuff i where i'm wearing a mask but yeah i i very much you and i met because of the halloween 365 I mean, that's the whole point. That's how we connected is I know who you are and I am very much psychotic and people call me Psy or whatever. And Mm. it's funny to me because in the town where I live, that's where almost nobody calls me psychotic or Psy. Yeah. But those people have started traveling with me 
and going uh, okay. to the tattoo conventions and they and they'll bit and they're like, holy fuck, does anybody know your name? I'm like, no. They does don't it know trip, what it like. Does it trip you them. out? Like when people like I, I I know most of the people that you're probably talking about that travel with you out of a, a deal of respect and whatnot. Same for like me. They don't call me by my legal name if they do know, which is a select few. But yeah. does it trip you out? Like if it's in even in private conversation, let's say you're at a hotel room for a sake of discussion and they say your actual legal name, like, hey, can you get me that? And then say your name. Does that like fucking weird you out just because it, it did one time because it was mm. actually it was it was a guy. He's he's a director. Uh, he's a very famous director and I was doing an interview and I didn't know he knew my name. Uh, like I didn't know he actually knew my name. And I was like, and I turned around and looked at him and he goes, I'm sorry if that offends you. I was like, no, where the, where the fuck did you hear that? And he goes, <laughs> Oh, well, and he had worked with a couple other people that I used to work with. And he goes, so I knew you kind of before you adopted the moniker when you were still yeah. going space ghost or still going by Winchell. And I'm like, that was the one that really got to me because for one and I, it sucks because i really want to say who it is but i don't like name dropping but it's yeah, one yeah. where i very much respect this man in a on a level that i can't even put into words and so i don't get i mean you've seen me I, i'm around tons of people all the time i don't get starstruck yeah i was very weirded out and then i was very starstruck after that like we'd been talking for an hour yeah and, and i was like this motherfucker knows about me. Like, what the hell? I'm nobody. How? How? And so, and then one other time, it's I, got triple named. I got triple named by uh, a couple of the people. I was doing photos for Villain Arts. Uh -huh. And one of the models couldn't get my attention. And she grabbed the mic and she three named me like my mom was calling me after I was in trouble. <laughs> and, and almost nobody knows my first name. Yeah. I mean, people who've known me 20 years don't know my first name. And so for her to all that on a microphone, I, for one, was weirded out. And second, like, I am so grounded. I was like 35. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is. Yeah. For me, it's, uh, it, it is weird. Uh, on occasion, Spetka will say it like when she's mad, but uh, not, not really. Uh, no one else particularly uses it there's uh a point of irritation for me is sometimes when people who have known me prior to me starting the character will talk to me and use my actual legal name um even though they are aware and it almost comes across like i guess peacocking for lack of a better word that's exactly and what. and i'm like you know that that's what i would prefer and uh and then they apologize afterward but i'm like i feel like you kind of did that on purpose no i think they do i like got a little power play i have a lot of that with my friends particularly my friends in porn that have their mm -hmm. porn star names or their modeling name and people that are like well i knew you before you were famous and blah 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 oh and yeah and that just it just it, it is it's peacocking that's the best way to describe it i don't uh speaking of what you just said i knew you before you were famous i don't i don't like that i uh I've had like numerous people who have been like, um, whether they meet me prior to knowing anything about my social media or after it does, it's usually like people knowing or meeting me prior to knowing anything about me. And then someone tells them, Oh, did you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think it's because a lot of people have this expectation that if you have a large social media presence or whatever, and then they approach the conversation differently. 
Um, but it's usually where they, they assume you're going to have a big head. So anytime I've ever had people be like, oh, so you're like famous or something. I've, I've heard that phrase so many times and I'm like, no, not really. Just a weird dude from the Bronx that wears makeup and does shit on social media. That's it. And they're like, oh, yeah. okay. And I'm like, is that not a, did you not like that? Was that not good for you? Okay. Well, I mean, let's be real. I've known you for, for years now mm-hmm. and, and met you in person five years ago. I think so. I think that's the first right, time yeah. we met in person uh, in Denver. And mm. I don't know what your real hair color is or what <laughs> I've seen you half out of makeup. Yeah. That's it. Like I've never seen, but I may be one of the few and it's purely for legal reasons for the merch stuff that I know your, your legal name. And yeah, I have to really, I have to stop and think about it because to me, you are same. Hey, you are the character, yeah. even though when we talk, Fuck, we were on the phone for like two and a half hours the other day. Like, yeah. we, we just and it was just random stories and bullshit. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's still one of those things, and I think that's what's so hard is like I people give me shit because especially my friends that are strippers, I use their stripper name no matter what, no matter where we are, yeah. no matter what we're doing, uh, and and these are some of my best friends. But it's so I don't slip up and give uh-huh. some piece of information out that would put them either in harm's way. Or give yeah. somebody ammunition to use against them. I just, I don't like that. And I feel it's the same, you know, uh, Mixie from Stitched Up Heart. I've never mm-hmm. not called her Mixie. I know she finally kind of came out and said, here's my real, here's my real yeah. name. You know, um, th- there's lots of people that are starting to be a little more honest with this is my real name, but I, I prefer this. And, and to me, it's very similar to if if you have a, a preferred gender, you want to yeah. call that. If you if you want to go by your your preferences, it's a respect thing, and I think a I, lot of people don't have that respect. I think also like within our community, which I know that's very general, but like all the subcultures that me and you probably associate ourselves with, whether it be the sex industry or the alternative industry or the haunt industry, makeup industry, all of those, I think for uh, those communities at large, that's why it's way way easier for us to be able to address people how they want to be addressed it's not difficult for us whereas you have other people who are like why do i have to why do i have to observe that why do i have to call you by your pronouns and it's not really that difficult it's, it's you, not. you call you shorten people's names all the time you call william dick he, he doesn't like that i'm sure but you call him dick all the time yeah well and that's the thing is when you got a billion people that are used to one way or it's been that way like time's do change and we have to change with them and Mm -hmm. so and you you nailed it like everybody i know that i've met through modeling sex industry uh music all of it it, and and the big one is the people that are in special effects and do a lot of that where it's the crossover like they're doing music half the time and makeup the other half of the time and things like those people are usually the most accepting of a person's preferences or ideals and ideas even if they don't agree with them i want people in those industries tend to be like i don't like that but i respect you anyway you know i actually (laughs) i'm just gonna this was literally while i was outside smoking um the hellraiser facebook page posted a picture of um needle play um and i started following them recently um just because of the new hellraiser coming out and some guy commented on it and said something to the effect of anytime i see this art style um 
I can't pull it up now. He's like, but it's something to the effect of, and he put art in quotes because it's it's uh it's like kind of like a double helix goes down her back, starting at the top of her spine, down oh, her butt crack. It's really badass. Yeah. Um, but he's like, anytime I see this art style, I just think of how boring your life must be. And the hell, there's like 36 comments in response to it. But the page itself was like, I don't, I don't see this person as having a boring life. And then they went on to elaborate. I responded, I just like, I just like antagonizing people who are like that. So I was like, wow, what a weird way to say that you're very judgmental. I was like, I guess judgment uh, manifests itself in different ways for different people. And well, I'm just, okay, I'm waiting that's... for like nine comments back from him. I say, that's one of the things though, you, you do that. You are the anti-troll troll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really are like i think that's like you're one of the reasons that i actually finally committed to all right fine i'm gonna do something with my tiktok because uh-huh. i like watching when people the, the big one is when people say oh you're so scared you're hiding behind your makeup because yep. i get that sometimes when when i when i go when i clown out or i wear my different masks and stuff people are like oh you're just hiding you must be scared mm-hmm. it's it has nothing to do with it am i more comfortable Especially in public yeah. settings, yes, I am. But it's not a fear thing. Like I performed for plenty of years with my actual face out there. I just made it so that I don't want that shit online. Yeah, and I've done a very good job of. I see a camera and I can turn my head and my hand goes up. Or <laughs> yeah. I'm really good at that, and it's like having a sixth sense. You've taken that to another level where you actually like you will get comments or you and you will do entire posts about that. Uh huh. And I just. No, go ahead. Sorry. I just, I, well, I know people that, that, that follow you. They're like, man, that made me, that made me feel so good about myself. You're literally and, doing it for the reasons to, to, Hey dude, you're being a judgmental prick. Mm-hmm. But do you realize, and how often do people come to you and go, thank you? Because I didn't have the strength to say that myself. And that's how I feel. Uh, sometimes, um, I, I really don't, uh, factor it in a lot of the time, how much shit that I say probably, help someone um which is truth be told is not the reason i'm doing i'm just responding in real time and i i pride myself on being really quick off the cuff so the time in my in my mind isn't spent too much on like well i wonder what which probably lends itself to why i'm so quick-witted because i'm not worried about what people are going to think with my response or anything like that it's just how can i cut to the core of of what this person is saying uh, and is going to make a, a good retort and make them question. That's my biggest thing is make them question why they just said what they said to me and also indicate to them, I don't care, but I want you to understand why I don't care and why you're a piece of shit for saying it. Um, but as the years have gone on, yeah, I, uh, I've had a lot of people who have approached me. It's not a lot uh, in succession in a short period, but over the years, yeah. There's been people who have been like, I read your comment or I saw how you dealt with this person. Um, I think because for a while, uh, I, I see the common response for people is, oh, don't feed the trolls. Like, why? I, I think if, if you take that, I guess, uh, frame of mind, don't feed the trolls, you should feed them till they can't eat anymore you give them so much that's what they want they want that attention give it to them give them the entire floor and allow them to talk themselves out till they have nothing more to say because most of the time when people make like off-color comments or digs at somebody whether it be personal appearance or attacking them for who they are or just plain being nasty and telling them that they should kill themselves 
give them the floor, give them the time that they so crave. And I guarantee when the spotlight's on them, they don't like it. They don't want the spotlight. They just want to be the peanut gallery and speak up and say their piece and hope that they can disappear back in. Don't allow that to happen. So, um, yeah, no, I, uh, but it's, it also comes from like, for me personally, that, uh, I never liked that when, when I was younger and I allowed a lot of people to do that. So, uh, now I just try and figure out the most inventive way to bother someone. I, I want to say something to anybody that says anything critical of myself or anybody else that will sit with them for like at least two weeks. But I use the, uh, the mindset of like minimal effort, maximum result. So I want to seem like I'm not putting any effort in at all and want you to dwell and seize around what I said for weeks and weeks at a time. There's a very rare breed of human that, and you're one, um, I, I, I've gotten lucky enough to meet a couple, uh, Trevanti Jaramillo, one of my, he's a good friend and, and, and podcaster. He's one too. You don't ever sit around and go, man, I should have said weeks later. It's a few seconds. Like here's 10 things I can say, pick one. Yeah. And run with it. And I, I to me, that's the basis for not only being responsible in, in a sense of, Hey, I'm going to take ownership of this and do this exactly like saying, but it's also like, that's what makes for good entertainment and good comedy. Yeah. We could deal with hecklers are the best. comedians. I, I bet, you know, quick sidebar. I, I very, very much have wanted to get into comedy. I've had numerous people tell me I should, I would want to do comedy where I had no written material and just did crowd work for 45 minutes. That's all I can do. When I do comedy, I can't. I, I might have one or two stories in mind that I might want to do. And I did the Janine Garofalo thing for a while where I had a notebook of weird things. Oh, remember this or oh, this happened. Um, but for me, and it was more from, from being on stage as a musician, when something goes wrong and you have to like riff the crowd for a little bit. Yeah. So they don't wander off and go, everybody goes and gets beer while you still got like nine songs left. You yeah. know, I got really good at at engaging the crowd with like doing a segue like oh last time I was here I remember this one time this on tour you know and then it it turned into almost I would rather have somebody say something stupid to me uh -huh. or supportive of me one or the other either yeah. supremely like I love what you're doing why do you love me you don't know me or rip me and that's that is my favorite because you rip me you know what? I look like Shrek had baby with a kumquat. I know exactly the, where you're going to go. It's going to be all physical at first and I'm going to run with it. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, but that scene in it mile where, where Eminem was like, now what else do you got to say about me? Like, yeah, I'm good with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when you just reference like how you perceive your personal image, um, I always tell people, cause people always go back to, well, what do you look like without the makeup? And I usually, my go-to is I will ask them, have you ever seen The Hills Have Eyes? <laughs> and, and then I'll just get that like stutter for a second where they'll add it. And I'll be like, yeah, like that, like yeah. that. Except yeah. I just don't live in the hills. Yeah. But a funny story about that is when I, um, when I met Kane Hodder uh, for the first time and he had come up to the booth and he's like, oh, I saw you got a lot of followers. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you get a lot of girls. And I'm like, on occasion. And he's like, no, nah, don't lie to me. He's like, you get it. And I was like, I do all right. And then he was like, 
uh, they ever ask you about makeup? Like what's underneath what you look like? And I say, yeah, all the time. And he's like, well, what do you say? I was like, well, I say, you know, you ever seen the Hills Have Eyes? And without skipping a beat, he's like, well, you do look like Michael Berryman. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, from the waist down. And he lost his shit with my response. I did. This kind of makes me feel bad in retrospect, but I did meet Michael Berryman and relay that exact story to Michael Berryman, which was probably in a horrible taste. Michael Berryman is is very old school, regardless oh, yeah. of his appearance. I think most people don't realize, you know, that that that's a genetic disorder. Um, but he's a great actor, and um, I, I I didn't I know he's been acting a long time, but you don't know a lot of the time till you meet a lot of these actors, horror actors specifically, like where their head is at. Me and Kane get along great because me and him have a very similar type of humor, but. Mike Berryman, when I relayed that story, Not no, rea- no reaction. He just stared at me. And I'm like, oh. Uh, uh, and then he started, the, his, his language that he used, uh, because he, he did good, like kind of uh, like switching the topic in a way. He started talking about some actor and then kept saying he cast a long shadow which is like a very old school type of uh, like oration. Uh-huh. And I, I haven't heard that. So I was like, oh, okay. I, I've talked to somebody who's old school Hollywood about basically my dick. That's great. Fucking awesome. Um, he did take it well though after that. So, uh, but yeah, that reminded me of what you said about your personal appearance, which I think uh, if you take the wind out of any, anybody's sails that are, that are trying to attack you physically, then they usually have nothing because that is their go-to at first. I, and, and for me, most of the time, you, obviously the people I deal with, I mean, deal, I live in a conservative area. I deal with a lot of rednecks and, and people who don't know where my allegiances and ideologies lie. And I'm good with that. Um, what, what's really fun for me, though, is when I show up to like uh, a legal meeting or some kind of CEO's meeting or something where it's being discussed, like major business is going on. And they're like, why is this guy here? I'm in a t-shirt and jeans. I look like that. I don't, you know, I don't don't need to impress you. And then I have the look of a very stupid person. (laughs) People immediately assume this guy's an idiot. Why is he even here? He must be somebody's, you know, cousin or something. And then I listen to the meeting and I sit back and then I pop off and they're like, oh, we're fucked. (laughs) And that's, that is my, that is my absolute favorite is that when they see the tattoos and they see the piercings and they see the way I look, whether it's, you know, I'm ready for stage or I'm ready for tour or I'm just chilling. Like I don't change a lot. I'm pretty much a t-shirt and jeans dude. Yeah. Is it mostly dark and morbid and banned? Yes. But Mm. I don't feel the need to address somebody else's idea of what I should fit into the whole reason. I mean, come on, but I I became a musician because I never wanted to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point of being in horror and makeup and acting and stunts and we get to play yeah all the time for fucking li- they pay us to do this shit yeah i get paid to hang out with hot people <laughs> it's fucking st- who if you had told me as a kid that was a possibility i never yeah. would i never would have been third grade i want to be an astronaut no I want to be a I photographer. I want to be a musician. I want to be those things that people make fun of. Like you'll never make a career in that. Well, the fuck am I doing then? <laughs> yeah, I never uh, still like doing this. Granted, I don't do it full time. I have tried multiple times, but I still the opportunities afforded by doing Sam Hain and 
trap like i just uh never even my dad uh if i think i think i told you but for anybody that doesn't know my my dad's a special effects makeup artist and usually when i tell people that they're like oh that makes sense um the counter to that is my mom's a nun but that'll be for later i guess uh nobody believes me when i say that but anyway so he's been a makeup artist for like 20 years and uh obviously i grew up around it grew up around the makeup and being on movie sets and stuff like that um but he even said to me um when this first started taking off he's like you know i had always hoped that you would follow in my footsteps in some way he's like i just never thought it would be this and that you know uh, it would it would be to this level. He's like, not to say I didn't think you'd be successful at whatever you did. He's like, but uh, it's just it's insane. So now the kind of roles are reversed because like when he's trying to promote his uh, his special effects or something, he'll call me and uh, I'll try and give him pointers on like how to you know wrangle social media to the best of his ability. And he's like, oh okay, do I really got to do that? I'm like, yes, you have to do that. That's how it works. <laughs> And he's just like, yeah, no, well, yeah. and I relate because you did tell me because we talked about my sister and the fact that she does special effects and has done so much. Hers was more in, in theater than than mm. film. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that I learned early on was because I was one, her assistant at, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old. And two, mm. lots of times I was the person she was experimenting on when she was doing some new makeup thing or some new bullet yeah. or something. I was, hey, get your ass in here. <laughs> I'm going to get to cover you in blood. And yeah. then over the years, I've developed my own working with other people. I mean, Fallon Vendetta taught me so much about how lighting affects makeup in one brief conversation. I don't know if she understands that she changed my entire makeup kit just based on that conversation. I was like, I, I got to change up. I need different brushes. I can't do what she just showed me in this kind of lighting or that kind of lighting. I was like, fuck, you know. It's been interesting, you know, working Audrey Kelly's one, you know, she, her makeup is phenomenal and she and I would sit there and just try different things back and forth. And people always laugh because I mean, she's a playboy model. She's a supermodel. She does all these things, but she loves being covered in gore and having like pieces of her flesh ripping off and yeah. that's weird. And I'm like, no, that's her. Yeah. And you do kind of make those connections being around them. And it's, it's fun for me looking at, not, just, not really my parents, because I think my parents really hoped I would keep following art, but kind of also hoped I'd, you know, have a day job, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were going to, like, we want you to keep doing normal. this. But please don't starve, you know, which is why I got into restaurant work originally. I was like, well, mm. I won't starve if I got to wash dishes in a restaurant. There's always leftovers, you know. I figured that out pretty young. <laughs> yeah. But I think that everybody that, that looks at art as a – a career be it full-time part-time or what have you i think that there's a level of what inspired us was either following in the footsteps or rebelling against the footsteps yeah it's always one or the other i agree with that it never seems to be like well i you know i i just randomly discovered one day that i could juggle and now i'm a fucking you know a coney island hawker or something that that's never the story no I wish it was uh, sometimes. I, it was definitely, yeah, for me, it was definitely inspiration. Yeah, I mean, my, my dad is like, I think my, my biggest uh, inspiration when it comes to anything is he taught me about women, taught me about makeup, taught me a lot about psychology, which is weird because that's more 
mom's department, but I think he understands it on a more relatable note, like uh, applied psychology rather than yeah. just book psychology. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, but I think as well, because what you were saying, maybe actually now I'm thinking about it, maybe it was like co-opted a little bit because uh, I, I would go back and forth between my parents. So I was like primarily living with my mom for like the first like formative years. And then, but my dad was always there and he exposed me to a lot of that. So I think it was following in the footsteps and rebelling, kind of like what you said, because my mom was vehemently opposed to all of that. She was like, that's fucking devil shit. Don't you dare. So I think it was definitely both for sure. I, I will never forget the first time I walked in on my mom and she was jamming out to Red Hot Chili Peppers, just loud as shit one time. Uh, or sex magic which is a pretty i mean that that's the first album they did that it was like okay they're they're basically laying their sexuality out there yeah and she was just just fucking enjoying the shit out of it and i looked i was like what are you doing she goes i love this shit what are you talking about and then she put on mr bungle right after that i'm like my mom is fucking cool like (laughs) the fuck and she is the one that i I, in 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 reality I, i basically rebel against um, but my mom was part of the punk scene in the 70s out in california and yeah. so a lot of where i come from actually came from her so i can relate to an extent my mom was never a music- musician or any of that but she understood when i said i want a tour so she's like okay well this is gonna suck but this is how we're gonna do it <laughs> yeah i got to do it as a kid which not a lot of people could say that no you know it's, it's and and so when i get the whole i'm rebelling in and falling because my dad was, is, was very much a musician but i didn't know he was a musician until after i'd been doing music for a decade oh i had no idea okay. like, he never talked about it. i knew my dad could sing and i knew he could play piano and stuff but i had no idea that he like really like played in a couple bands and was fairly successful and had met a lot of really big names and was like cool with them and i'm like who the fuck are you that i've never met <laughs> <laughs> you know? and it's it's weird like how parents present themselves around their children and they go into parent mode but i think that's everyone whether you have kids or not i think everyone goes into this well everybody wears different masks for the part of the brain that says don't cuss in school yeah it's that part of the brain that you you change up just a little bit what you allow yourself to say or do and and, and I, it's a joke to me, like you know, ch- you know. Remember, children are always watching, so use profanity, use profanity correctly. Yeah, I would say that, but I really like people are always like, dude, you you talk to your kids like they're grownups. I'm like, I don't yeah. know how to do baby talk. I don't know how. No. To, you know, I don't lay my life out for my kids, but if they ask me a question, I will never lie to them. No, even no, if it's embarrassing, that's... it makes me feel like dog shit. I would still tell them the truth about myself. No, I think that's absolutely important. I mean, because I can only imagine, you know, I grew up in the 90s. I think that I can only imagine if my parents didn't go into quote unquote parent mode and actually were just not to say they were bad parents. I mean, sometimes, but I think that's every child. I think like just being real 100% of the time. And I think that's more common now. And I'm super excited to see how these children who are being raised by not all, because I've seen shitty examples of not what I'm talking about, but the polar opposite, 
but I'm excited to see how those children, what they turn into, you know what I mean? Like just being talked to like they are themselves an adult and uh, being regarded in that way. I think that that just builds a better character. It, it, I agree. Um, I think that it's interesting. Like, I believe in the environment, not just where you you grow up or where you're from, but the people that are around you in that environment. Mm-hmm. So it's the mix of both. It's the, it's it's the flora and the fauna really can shape a person. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's where, in a lot of ways, I think that's where a lot of people come into this whole like fixation on serial killers and and horror and things like that. It comes from is this idea of yeah. handle that from a stable point of view on one hand because you're like, thank God I was never around that. And on the flip side of it is. I can I can relate on some traumatic level or something else and and mm. fascination stems from one of those and it always centers on that could never happen to me and I would know I would know if somebody was like that yeah <laughs> and 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 no one ever does <laughs> no no <laughs> so well, he's get away with it for so long you know? seemed like a nice guy you know from the... I, I mean I can personally I think I told you and I know I talked about this in life I, mean, I knew I knew BTK I knew Dennis Rader knew the man and talked to him a couple times he was a pillar of the community and and that i can tell you that everybody in that area was just so shocked yeah just shocked that it was him i think what's i mean this is kind of related uh but it's it's more general i guess i think what's the hardest thing for most human beings to wrestle with as you get older and have more of an understanding of the world around you and people that you associate with is you can train yourself in all sorts of ways in terms of body language and reading people and just having situational awareness and all this shit. But at the end of the day, if somebody does not want you to have information, you just won't. They can just, and that's so hard. I mean, it's it's common knowledge, but at the same time, it's hard for people to wrestle with the idea that someone can look you in your face and compartmentalize information and just share with you what they want. They can piecemeal it out and then omit all this other shit that they're doing in the background that no one knows about. Um, and they could be an entirely different person. But I think as human beings, we generally want to accept people at face value, which is why it's easy for people like that to exist. I don't think there's that many people that are like that. Don't get me wrong. I think generally people have a good read but there are those who are just masters at being able to manipulate not just a single person but a group of people well and then you know like i i we've talked about this too the idea of giving just enough information to somebody so they feel like they they know enough about you to be comfortable yeah but not giving them enough information that they could ever use it against you or make you feel vulnerable or yeah you talk about we talk about masks all the time like that's mm. you know because of the way we present ourselves physically when we're performing or streaming or whatever we talk mm. about that but how many people will give us shit when they've got a dozen different masks they wear at yeah. work and at home and with their kids and with their exes and i found and maybe you don't see that people in horror in particular people that do a lot of sci-fi and horror movies tend to be the nicest most honest open people yeah because they don't they don't need to have a mask on they put one for the role but the rest of it's really them yeah they're trying to be their truest self i think is is their journey and then also like a lot of people that are in 
you know, just and any of the associated industries that we've talked about, they know what it's like to be judged. So they're trying to not put their best foot forward, so to speak, but they're trying to give you as much information about themselves in the initial. So you have so much to go off of and you can perceive them as accurately as they would hope. So you get, a, you just get a good summarization of who they are as a person. I, I just like bomb people with like, if, if somebody first initially meets me, I, I will just give them probably way too much information. I already talk forever anyway, but uh, I think that's best. I, I, I do too. It's like a Cliff's Notes personality test. Yeah. And I think that that helps people in a lot of ways, uh, especially living in a world that we live in that is so fucked up with all these masks. I mean, politics and religion, obviously, and, and of course, you're one of the few people who like, you're like, I don't know where I stand. I'm not going to claim any one thing or other. You, you, you are a melting pot of different ideologies. And, and in a world like that, where you, you can do that. I, I struggle with that. I, I'll admit it. I, there are times mm -hmm. where I feel so just rampantly atheist or so just violently liberal or so about certain things. I have a hard time seeing the other perspective. Uh, but and again you may you may see things different you may know people that are different but it feels to me like in the industries that we deal with in particular when somebody gives you an opinion they really own that opinion it's based on their experiences mm -hmm. their their life their intake and fact yeah Whereas people who are a little more traditionally blue collar or even traditionally more so traditionally white collar, it's almost yeah. like well, my dad taught me this when I was 16 and I'm never going to change. And yeah, I think um, for a lot of people, they're obviously, as you said, their experiences uh, shape who and what they are and how they feel. Um, I've seen a lot of what you described with people just regurgitating what their parents said when they were 15 and 16 and for whatever reason that has stayed constant their entire fucking life and they've chosen for whatever reason to not expand their boundaries which i i just don't understand that um i think really to like understand even if you don't agree like we said originally being fluid is paramount because your way isn't always the right way, but we also live in our own microcosm of our world. And we, we piecemeal and we also pick and we cherry pick, actually. We piecemeal and we cherry pick what, what we want in terms of personal interactions and people we have in our friend zone. Only on occasion, and if you force it, do I think we bring in people or experiences that are not our normal go-to. But that's why I like, like going out like this is bar none one of my favorite experiences because I will attract anybody and everybody because everybody wants to know why the fuck do you look like that? Why are you here and why are you doing it? Because I'm not doing anything. I'm literally, I arrive like this and I'm doing everything else that the person who looks nothing like me is doing. So I get people from all walks of life who will approach me. And I think that's, great to give you like a well-rounded personality because you get to experience all these different people's perceptions that you normally wouldn't because you're not gonna voluntarily interact with most of these people 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's, that's valid. I, I see my problem is that when I, when I, especially when I have one of my personalities on, I tend to forget that mm-hmm. I have an on. you know, and, and depending on, I mean, some of them are goofy and weird. Some of them are, you know, downright, they're meant to be terrifying. That's the point is to, yeah. to be the creepy thing that you drive past on the road and go, did I just fucking see that? Mm-hmm. that that's what that's my favorite and, and that's been my favorite for years and so i'll forget and i remember uh god it was like three four years ago i was headed home i had been standing by the welcome to grand junction sign and waving at people holding you know just waving and holding a bunch of balloons and i had one of my clown faces on it was it's one of the more morbid but still like like that character happens to be a chef so i wear a chef suit and everything and i got like handprints on me and things like that yeah like no knives no cleavers no no weaponry or nothing just balloons and i was just waving to people at welcome to grand junction on one (laughs) of the back roads and i had walked there from i parked a couple miles away and um obviously when my legs worked better and everything but i was walking back to my car and i stopped in a gas station and there was like a domino's uh, and the girl in the dominoes just screamed and ran and i didn't put two and two together that it was yeah and i went up and i and i got it you know i got a mountain dew and i was like hey man, I hope you have a good night and he goes man you made my night thank you so much and then it clicked it's like yeah. oh shit whoops you know i forgot yeah. and i go back outside and i'm untying my balloons because i tied them up like you would tie a horse yeah <laughs> i'm untying them and i look up and there's two sheriffs and they're like what are you doing? And apparently the wrong response is, oh, you know, just clowning around. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> I didn't think that was funny. No. So I had to go through the whole ID check and are you out trying to terrorize people and blah. I was like, well, did you get a call about terrorizing? No, it's just, I mean, somebody dressed like this obviously has bad intentions. I'm like, no. I mean, psychologically maybe, but that's it. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I said, this, this sounds really bad, uh, but, um, I'll share this with you. Um, Is it cool? If- but uh, I've told Svetka this and numerous other people. I don't. I don't mean this exactly. As this could be wildly misinterpreted. I'll just say it. Um, I, I like to tell people I want to make my existence everyone else's fucking problem. Um, which I don't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what I mean by that oh, specifically God. is like. You know, I, I, I go out, I do events. Uh, a lot of people don't realize um, that don't follow me that deeply. And even I think the people that do, um, you know, they don't, unless they see it, unless it's live streamed, unless it's videoed, they, they just have that lens of social media. So unless it's posted there, it hasn't happened. Um, I, I mean, I can tell them, but I think a lot of people are kind of desensitized to content creators and influencers or whatever you want to associate absolutely uh, yeah they they think that a lot of the stories that are shared if it's not photographically or video proven uh then it's not true um so i i but anyway my point is that um when i go out and i go to a gas station or whatever or go i don't know to a department store or uh i don't know the mall or whatever and i'm in full makeup um usually that's on my way to do something else because i have done that for the specific purpose of just going to be like that there 
And it, it's very tiresome because it's the same, like security is going to get notified in 45 seconds of me being there. Uh-huh. I'm not doing anything. I'm acting like a normal patron. I'm not fucking, ah, people are scaring children or something like that. Um, not doing any property damage. I'm literally just walking around normal. My, my, the way I operate is as if this isn't even here. I'm just doing my shit. Uh, and I, and when people react to it, I don't react to them, which I think makes it worse because kind of like what you were saying, I'm aware that it's there. I sometimes forget till I see it in a reflection or a mirror. And then I'm like, Oh, that's why I I look that way. Yeah. I, I can feel it on my face, but I'm like, you know, anyway, uh, but with the comment of making it everybody else's problem, um, it's, it's so subtle. That's why I felt the need to clarify is because immediately when I say it, people think like, I'm just like standing in a corner, like by a vending machine and just staring at people like for inordinate amounts of time. Not like that. Like, but I think me acting like I'm just a regular patron, not doing anything fucks with people way deeper because they're like, he should, he should be doing something. He's not doing anything bad, but he's about to, he's in, you can't look like that. And just, and I just, like I said earlier with the whole uh, kind of like hand in hand with the trolling, minimal effort, maximum results where they just will dwell on that for the next three weeks. If I never say something to the person who walked in to get a pack of smokes and I'm standing choosing wine at the local Bucky's and they just glance over for four seconds, see me, I see them and I just look at them and then go back to my wine. They're going to, and, and it's fucking August. They're going to think about that for the next three fucking months. That's I'm mission accomplished. I'm good with that. Well, and that, that's the best shit ever though, because that, that is just it, because you create this sense of paranoia that's mm-hmm. completely, it's completely false. It's completely made up. Yeah. It is. And, and, and that, I mean, it's masterful. I mean, I, I have a lot of friends that were in their, you know, they were nine or 10 around the time of nine or nine 11. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, they would hear that, that Middle Eastern accent mm-hmm. and you'd watch them just go, why are you here? What are you doing? And it, mm. it, it had to turn back into, this is such a small portion of an overall belief system and, and, and group of people, you have to like really fact it out. And I think yeah. that that's what it is. And that's, to me, that's why I like horror. Mm-hmm. That's why I like really just exploitative violence in some movies is because I want it so thrust in somebody's face that you go, wait, why was that so disturbing to me? Mm -hmm. Not God, that was freaky and fuck that dude. And this has got to happen. And that's going to happen. It's the same as when you have a buildup of music and you're like, God, something creepy is about to happen. You just know. Yeah. It's worse when there's no music and then something comes out of nowhere. And even the the diehards like us who watch people get disemboweled are like, fuck. Oh God, I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) That's real life. Mm-hmm. It's creating that paranoia in somebody. I don't know. I kind of respect that. I think that's pretty badass. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, and a thing that I've noticed as well is like, I think for a lot of people, um, the new year, um, one thing that I've tried to stay super constant on like the past couple of years is trying to tell people like, the new year's resolutions are dog shit. Please stop. If you actually want to do 
anything and accomplish anything um you you need to set it in motion probably before and even if not even if you are like well i'm going to start it on january 1st that's fine but i think like as human beings we place weird constraints on ourselves because of our perception of time and when we don't meet that that goal that we have then as you were saying we just beat the shit out of ourselves unnecessarily yeah, yeah. we set ourselves up for failure failure because the first time oh fuck i didn't work out or oh shit i broke my diet two days in a row or oh i i was supposed to lose 10 pounds by now and i've only lost seven mm-hmm. we set ourselves up to be failed to, to what we perceive as failure even yeah. if we have, are doing a billion times better than we were doing a month, two months, five months, a year before, we only see ourselves as we, as we are in this moment. Other yeah. people tend to see what, where we came from. And they're like, dude, I'm proud of you. Like, yeah, look at what you're doing. You're killing it. And they're like, <clears> no, <throat> it's not good enough. And then we do what we all do. We're inherently lazy and give up. The other side of that is we celebrate mediocrity way too fucking much in this country. And so we expect people to recognize if we've lost three pounds. I don't give a fuck who yeah. you are. Unless you are under two feet tall, if you lose three pounds, nobody can tell. No, no. <laughs> I I mean, I've uh I know we talked about it when we were on the phone originally, but I was talking to this this uh dude that I know. I work with him at the haunted house. He's he's a he's a young kid. He just turned 18. Um and I had I sit down with him, I think, prior, uh, like a year and a half ago. And I told him, I was like, I see a lot of myself in you. I noticed that's something I say a lot, especially with like uh, dudes. I don't think I've ever said that to a girl. Um, Not that that would be weird because of gender. I think it's more just, uh, you know, I can find similarities with younger guys. So I told him, I was like, I see a lot of myself in you. And I was like, I see, I see you making a lot of these choices and saying a lot of these things because you have this expected reaction and he had messaged me uh the other day and uh was like hey how you doing and mind you me and him don't talk that much the only time we really see each other is during the haunt season and i was like oh we're doing uh, i'm doing good and then he asked me how are you and Svetka doing i said good and then i was basically it and i'm like do you need something and he was just like no and then he said some like i don't know like stupid joke and i'm like you obviously need something. You don't reach out to me like this. And then his follow-up to that was something to the effect of, I just feel like I do the same thing every day. And uh, I'm just very unhappy with where I'm at in life. And so I I made a point to call him and um, I tried to give him as much advice as possible. But basically the, the biggest piece I tried to impart on him is I said, for me lately, my goal has been, you know, doing physical stuff working out and reading and he's like yeah i tried that but it's just it's it's not enough and i just feel like basically what's what's the point i see everybody doing anything what's the point and i was like there isn't one and he's like are you serious and i'm like yes there's not a point but you have to find a point for you for me the point is finding some those small modicums of happiness is is what you're you should be always searching for And I was like, you glossed over what I said about the working out and like reading and trying to better yourself mentally. He's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, yeah, because you just went back to, you didn't absorb what I said. My point was saying that is I'm trying to fix the outside, how I would like it to be. And I'm also fixing the inside, how I would like it to be. I'm doing a twofold thing to distract myself from the fact that 
we don't have much control in this life and we have a limited amount of time. Your goal should be to feel better internally and externally all the time, but it takes active work. And I think a lot of people have this, I, I don't know, uh, assumption that happiness is just a passive thing. You have to actively work on happiness. And even when you get to that point, you have to continue to do that. And that's what sucks about it. Well, I mean, happiness, sadness, anger, revenge, what, it all takes energy. It all takes effort. Yeah. You have to actually, I mean, if, you, if we just let our brains go, we'll just sleep all the fucking time. Our, oh, yeah. our, our default setting is lay down and fuck off. So yeah. I don't know, like, I don't use the term triggered necessarily, but you just you hit me in a way. You just said to to that kid what someone said to me when I was 16. Really? Who I didn't realize at the time was trying to get me to join their church. Oh, wow. So instead of saying there is no point, it's like the point is God. I need to come to God. I mean, yeah. it's like it's so for me as a person who is who is I mean, I studied religion. And I mean, literally like that was classes and courses and I really took it seriously and have friends who are Buddhist and Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists and Catholic and LDS and different, I mean, Hasidic Jewish to traditional to, I mean, every walk of life imaginable. And yeah. I was absorbing all of that. I used to do the whole, when, when I'd have people come to testify, you know, they come to the door and knock and have you heard, you know, I'd be like, Hey, do you want to come to a meeting with a bunch of other religions? They are all like, Yes. And we'd sit down in my living room and we'd all talk to each other. And it was like That's this really dope. amazing debate while everybody just kind of sat and ate crackers and <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was fucking killer. I used to invite the, the missionaries from the LDS church to come to our, you know, I, I talked to you about, uh, we have our art parties or what we call family dinner. And they're usually pretty hectic and there's people playing guitar and there's people listening to rap and people playing games. and There's people out in the back and people are drinking and some people are sober. There's just all sorts of shit going on all the time. And I used yeah. to invite missionaries to that just so they could like experience a different kind of meal and have an opportunity to really see how different walks of life can get along yeah. in a, in a controlled setting. And I, I used to, I still, because I mean, my best friend growing up isn't, is it, he's a, an elder in the, in the LDS church. And he uh, said, that's the thing they miss. They miss the idea of like, that's why Rumsfraga exists for, um, not Quakers, but, uh, Amish. Yeah. The Amish, they, they do Rumsfraga where they, they, yeah, they let them go be nuts. And then you decide. And, and what happens is most of those kids go back to the community. Yeah. Most of them do. The huge majority, they're like, yeah, okay, I, I got it. I experienced it. I learned a lot, and now I'm choosing this rather than resenting being forced into this. Mm. And that, for me, like, I, I hope that kid listened to you because hearing it the way you put it in a – because I'm not a believer in absolute truth. No. I'm just not. I believe we create – goals and we create truth we yeah. create these ideas and i think that everybody has a different idea of what that is and actually i think that's it, economically that's what's wrong with the united states uh -huh. and i could go into a huge diatribe but basically i could never be one of those people who's like i've got the house i've got the truck and the car i've got the two kids yeah. and wife and the snowmobile and the boat and the rv and i and I'm, i've made it i've mm -hmm. succeeded you can have that by the time you're like 26. Yeah. Pretty comfortably. The fuck are you going to do in the next 70 years? Just live like that? Fuck that. That's not no. living. That's existing. 
Well, because a lot of the people uh, that em- employ that line of thinking, like you were describing, and and this is also part of like what I said to him, I said that people, you know, they have a certain thing in their mind where they think, if I get that girl, I get that house, I get that car, I get that job, that's when I'll be happy. And I also related to him when I was younger, I used to think certain times of your life or certain experiences, you would feel different. Like genuinely, I thought when I hit 18, I would wake up that morning and I'd be like, I may, I can feel, I feel like I'm 18. And I just felt the same. I don't know why, uh, but even uh, traveling, I used to think that when you travel to a different state and uh, like you could feel that it was a different state, but no, it all feels the same. Um, the accents are different. Yeah, that's basically it. That, different. Yeah, that's and it. it's uh, so. I mean, I, I do hope he did. He's a he's an ongoing project for for me because uh i i think he holds a lot of promise and he's a good kid he's very creative um but i see a lot of the the stuff he gravitates towards and i'm like i it's hard for me as well with i see so many people through social media people i'm friends with people i'm not friends with where i'll watch through that lens of social media and i'll see all the shit they're doing and i'm like man i just wish i had your phone number so i could just call you for five minutes and then just tell you like try and save you from the mistakes I've made. But a lot of the time it comes across as preachy. And so I, I just, I just silently watch. I don't say anything because at the same time, it's also their life to experience. And if they don't experience it, then you don't know what. I struggle with that being somebody who, who deals with particularly people who have alcoholism and, and drug addiction in my life. They say a person has to hit rock bottom and they have to be ready to change before they accept these and I, I believe that I've seen it too many times to, to, it, it's absolutely true. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I kind of want to be that sounding board that says, you don't have to no. you can stop yourself from hitting this point of fuck. I have no return. You just have to choose it. Is it, is it an easy choice? Is it a simple choice? No, but you can. And I feel like I, if I don't say something, it's almost like I'm enabling them to continue their destructive lifestyle I don't say it more than once or twice. Yeah. But I at least feel like I have to throw it out there. Well, because you, I mean, you genuinely want to help. Um, I, I've always tried to tell people that I don't, I don't know where I got this from. I think I said this to you when we were on the phone. I don't remember. Uh, but the hardest things in life uh, for you are usually the best for you. And oh, yeah. I think that's, that's pretty uh, applicable to most things because if, it was easy then yeah like everyone would do it um but that i think that also goes hand in hand with the whole idea of happiness because you have to actively be working toward it it's a constant fucking battle uphill not just with happiness but just with 90 percent of of shit in life that you're trying to achieve goals wise it has to be an active journey all the time and it's fucking hard it sucks and you'll get those momentary aspects where it's like oh this is what i was searching for and then that doesn't really go away but something else comes up and clouds like uh for a hypothetical situation one thing that i tell a lot of people that are struggling with uh that idea when i tell them that and they don't really hear it i'll just give them this analogy i'll say 
let's say for sake of discussion, you lose your wallet one day and your wallet has your entire rent payment. I don't know why you'd be carrying that in cash, but that's irrelevant. Let's say you have your entire rent payment in your fucking wallet, along with your social security card, driver's license, couple credit cards, and maybe your birth certificate because you're a fucking moron. Let's say you have all that and you lose your wallet one day. Someone returns it. You have all those important documents minus, let's say, half your rent or all of it, but let's go with half. What are you going to be more mad about? What are you going to be more thankful about? You're going to be more mad at the fact that either half or all your rent's gone and you're going to hyper fixate on that rather than the fact that all the other shit you could have lost, you got back. That's because I think like the negative aspects of that emotion are so powerful. You have to actively fight against that and be actually just momentarily thankful that, oh, look, I don't have to deal with all this other shit. I just have one problem I need to fix, one problem I need to work on. But that's something I think you need to train yourself to work on. And it takes years to get to that point. I think some people will never, never learn it. And I know, I, I mean, I know people that will literally make up a problem to have because they need yeah. something to fixate on. Yeah. Those people, I usually, uh, I, don't, I don't, no, I talk to them. I was going to say, I don't talk to them. That's a lie. I do talk to them, but like, I like bullshit talk to them. I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but, uh, I do. Cause I follow you on everything and I've watched you do it. So okay. <laughs> I, I just like, sometimes I'll go to a party. Like I'm, I'm going to go to a party tonight. Um, I don't know half the people that are going to be there. And, uh, Sometimes I'll just say like off the wall shit, not true, not, you know, inherently interesting, but that can be like slightly, I don't know. I'll, I'll discuss how my mom used to just, uh, just cover my entire ass crack in peanut butter on Sundays prior to going to church and make me wear a diaper because she thought that that was the Lord's doing. This is something like that, just as an example, I don't think I've said that yet, but let's say I say that to somebody who I've never met and it has to be related to some sort of conversation. Yeah. The whole reason I do, I just, I just want to observe, like, how did they receive that information? Am I probably going to see this person ever again? No. Do I care if they judge me differently? No. Um, and I get, so I, I probably get way too much enjoyment out of doing stuff like that because then, you know, either you'll see like little aspects of them trying to relay the information you share with them to other people at the party and you can just sit back and enjoy that. Um, but I think most people would not care for that because they would be worried about the entire party judging them. Um, yeah. Well, and that's the other side of it is that we, we put a lot of stock in what people see in us, what they think mm-hmm. of us, like. Like, have you ever been in a uh, in character, out of character? Have you ever been somewhere where you just see somebody like you're in a public place, like the mall, like in a fucking food court or something, and you see somebody that for whatever reason you just instantly relate to? Yeah. And you just like, there's those that you make eye contact and there's those moments and something ridiculous just seems so feasible that you never would have thought of before. Like we could totally like, you know, we should go try and take over Taco Bell you know, or mm. just, just random shit. Yeah. The one that comes no, 100%. Mind, I, I was wearing um, one of my bigger military style, like with the big spikes and everything, masks. And, uh, and I'm like, you know, a lot, people don't realize how into Nerf I am. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just don't realize that, like, I've got a desk full of modified Nerf guns right now because that's like my my only saving grace right now is I can just keep 
nerding out and making them stronger and faster and just more damaging. But yeah. uh, I was in a, I was in Denver and I went to a guitar center and there was like this weird, like dollar store thing across the way. And we were like, well, hell let's go over there and see if we can find a couple things. I don't even remember what the hell we were looking for, but I'm in the parking lot waiting for everybody to get done at guitar center and at this dollar store place. And I'm sitting on the hood of my car and this guy parks across the way and he gets out and he looks at me and I shit you not. He looked like a seven foot tall version of Neo from the matrix. <laughs> and I just jokingly pulled my trench coat to the side to show him my Nerf gun. Yeah. And he just gets this look of just utter joy on his face. And he, goes back into his car and he comes out and he's got a nerf gun he's like bring it and we just start shooting each other in the parking lot <laughs> one of those moments and then we pick up our darts like hey you doing he goes that cool and he goes inside the guitar center and i pack my shit up and everybody comes out nobody had any fucking idea that that had happened no one i was with and they were coming out of both stores and i was in a great mood for the rest of the day for no fucking reason that they could figure out but it was just one of those crazy moments i was like one of those ones in a lifetime things and i think that people who recognize if you don't care what people think of you, yeah, those spontaneous moments of just let's have a good fucking time, yeah, come way more often. Oh, it's the you're. I think you're more prone to genuine human connection with people that are geared towards you. It's almost like they were created for that moment. Like if you, I guess, look at it in video game terms, that somebody spawned that person for you in that instance at that time specifically it's not even a quest it's just a uh you know it's just a happenstance yeah it's just a little happy moment you got to live through like yeah i i'm in fixated on those videos of like kids who aren't that great who sit down to play like, like public pianos uh-huh and then you see some master like walk up and start like playing with them and it turns to this you just see the change coming over the person of Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm connecting with someone. Yeah. Maybe for the first time, really. Yeah. You know, or like you see kids playing hockey on some pond and then the pro skaters come out and they're helping or it, it's those moments. Like I, I search out those things because I feel like too often those moments that could be real connection, we miss them because we're too fixated on the, well, somebody might think I'm stupid if I help this person or somebody might think yeah. I'm, you know, fucking cares. That's why I'm I'm so fixated on uh, just personal interactions, like, and and that's why, like I said earlier, I enjoy the the aspect of uh, going out in in character and being able to experience all these different people because I guarantee the amount of people I've met, whether it resulted in anything or not, is irrelevant, but. I've just, I've, I've gained so much knowledge and information from having a discourse with random people as a result of like forcing that interaction. Cause sometimes, uh, I, I like to, if, if I'm at an event kind of similar to what you're talking about, I guess, well, maybe not really, um, party or an event or something like that. I like finding people that are not having a good time. And what I mean by that is not that they seem visibly angry, but people that are posted up on the wall in the corner, not talking to anybody, I will specifically, kind of yeah. yeah, I'll specifically seek them out and be like, what's your story? What's going on? 
You doing all right? You having a good time? And I mean, I'm very direct and I just, I have an aggressive personality. So at first they're like, I, uh, yeah, I'm fine. And they expect me to just go on my merry way because they think I'm just asking for, I don't know, what, uh, personal validation. And I'm like, no, I, I, I want you to explain. Uh, you are doing all right? Okay, tell me why. What, what do you, how are you doing all right? What's your favorite part of the party? See, I've what actually witnessed right? you do this. So for me, like, it's easy for me to imagine. Yeah. You did it with my ex-girlfriend. When when you met her, she walked mm -hmm. up and she assumed that you you would, because you were talking to me, you would talk to her. And you were like, you kind of looked at her and acknowledged her. And then she's like, well, what about this? She goes, I don't know. First things first, you know, do you have a cigarette? We can go smoke and talk about it. But if you don't have a cigarette, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> she had this look of just like, how do I answer that? And, and I was like, you do have cigarettes, you know? And she's like, I, I do. You're right, yeah. I do. And it was that moment of, oh, fuck, what do I say? How do I, you threw her completely off her game. But then, I mean, shit, that was one of her highlights of that weekend was the fact yeah. that you sat out on the dock talking to 30 different people, neither of you knew. So as normally she'd be out there just chain smoking and trying to get back inside. Yeah. Just had talked to a bunch of people. And, and she's like, I met so many people and there's this booth and there's this artist and there's, that never would have happened. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't that she was having a bad time, but she was really alienated because for to be around Skylar and me who have been in that position and know hundreds of people in a room full of thousands of people. And she knew like us, <laughs> she knew like the three or four of us at the booth. And that was it. It was a big deal. I think that gives you an opportunity to, you know, especially when you're in a situation where, you know, no one. That's an opportunity rather than a problem. Like, oh, I know no one. Well, that's all these potential people that I could know. But uh, comparatively, when I go to like, I'll, I'll just use the party tonight as an example. I know people there who are host, the people who are hosting it, I know very well. If there's a lot of new people there, chances are I'm probably not going to talk to the people I know already because I've already been there, done that, which makes me feel guilty because I barely spend any time with them and I'm so focused on talking to everybody else but I think that at its core anyone that truly understands doesn't have a problem with it because they understand like even even though I'm not the host I want everybody to be having a good time I want everyone to feel involved and social and I know that a lot of people need time to be brought out of their shell and then once you do that and they're released from their shell you just let them go which I, I, I love that realization when you do that for somebody. And then, then they start like, you'll introduce them to three or four people and have them accompany you to conversations. And then they just will not shut up. And you're like, okay, you be free now. Go, go into the world. Skyler, DJ AK that you met the same day mm -hmm. we met. Um, yeah. He, he does this thing when he's DJing that he will find, you know, you know, girls come in threes or they come in a group. And there's always that one girl who's kind of like, I am totally the tag along. Yeah. He will look at that girl from the DJ booth or the stage or whatever. He will find that girl in the different groups of girls around the room. And he mm. will, I fuck that girl until she notices he's looking at her. And he does a little, you want to hear something? And they'll, they they gravitate towards him. And he's do, not doing it to flirt. He's not doing it. He's literally yeah. going, you're the misfit in your own group. I'm going to make you the star of your group for the next three yeah. minutes, 47 seconds. This is your song. Yeah. And it it's so 
It's like the, that photographer who takes a picture of somebody, then tells them they're beautiful, and then takes the yep. picture right after. I love that. Well, you don't um, like for me, like meeting meeting people, anybody who follows anything I do, uh, or not, even people that just come up and just say complimentary shit. Uh, they're still supporting you in some way, shape, or form. Um, taking five seconds out of your day to tell that person you appreciate them and engaging in a conversation can absolutely 100% change that person's life because you have no idea what that person could be going through. So like you said, with him fucking singling out these these girls and making them the highlight, you have no idea how much that, that could have, and most definitely, probably not possibly, most definitely benefited that that girl and changed her not entire night not her entire day not week month but probably entire outlook and that this a pivotal moment even though it may seem to most people from an outside perspective very small i i i and that's exactly it is those little moments of 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 showing somebody just a little bit of attention that they're not expecting mm -hmm. i think and sometimes that's all it takes like a genuine person and just uh it's just reciprocated well maybe not reciprocated just like respect and just genuine like give them the spotlight for a second just a second everybody deserves that i think at some point in their life to feel like it's about them they are the quote quote main character for that moment and i i and well that's a really good way to put it because i think that uh, one of my friends, uh, she's a psychologist, and she made the comment that she totally gets why so many people love, especially RPGs and long-term big world video gaming, because they don't feel like they exist as a hero in their own life. But online, they are the hero. They are the main character. They have the quest. And it, it, it's almost like, a well, I can't do it at my nine to five. I can't do it at the gas station or where I'm flipping burgers, but I can do it here. I can save Hyrule if I need to, you know, yeah. I dig that. And I think that's kind of an interesting take that it makes me wonder how much technology and, and our ability to recognize other planes of existence, other ideals, other ways of thinking. And the fact that we, we really know jack shit, the more we know, the less we know. And mm -hmm. how much that changes the overall psyche, because like, I don't feel like a hundred years ago, a lot of people really concerned themselves about with this concept of where's the world going to be in 30 or 40 years. It was more like, what am I doing personally? And yeah. I think people now take a bigger ownership of, of a general, we're a population. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, um. so those are two obviously like really big topics. I did want to touch on, because you were talking about technological advancement and like where it's taken us and where we're going to be um when you said the whole discussion with your therapist of why people like rpgs i can be the hero here but not in real time that made me happy and like upset me at the same time because right. it's uh i disagree with the i can't be like a hero in real life or 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 be the i guess for lack of a better term the main character yes you can um so i like i know you weren't speaking genuinely like you're not saying that yourself but i oh, know people feel that way 
Uh, and that, that like hurts when I hear people genuinely say stuff like that. And I try, granted, my approach is very tough love because like, let's say for sake of discussion, you actually said that to me, I would probably look at you and be like, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Who yes, are you? you? <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah, no, Bye. I am one of those people. I do believe everybody can be. I believe that most people don't know how to get out of their own fucking way. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. They're in their own way. And haven't accepted the, the role. You accept the accept the role, accept the mantle of leadership in your own life, and you can be exactly that, right, wrong, or indifferent. Mm -hmm. But again, that comes to, down to fear is the biggest reason why people, they don't want to make decisions for themselves. They don't want to be the one who's responsible for their own actions and how it affects other people. They'd rather be told what to do. And 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 yeah. it's, it's a horrible, and I blame a lot of uh, parenting problems for that. I think that people today are so used to having helicopter moms and, and being told that just because you showed up, that's as good as doing well, that they don't realize that you can be amazing at stuff. Like there are people in my day-to-day -day life that they're shocked that they can do very simple things well. Yeah. And I'm like, I think you could do like really badass things well. Why aren't you trying those things instead of just getting by? I said to somebody the other day, I said, I think everybody is artistically inclined and they disagreed with me and they said well all i do is work on cars and i said you don't think that's artistic that's incredibly artistic and i said i couldn't fucking fuck with the car but you are creating they're like no i'm just putting in pieces that are already there i said which results in a final creation that you did with your own hands you did that no, like, and it's because they view it as they're they're following instructions or something. Yeah, yeah. They're being very literal, but no, like it takes cars. some sort of mastery to put those final touches and do it. The best advice I was ever given, uh, I guess, relation to myself that I feel a lot of people can relate to themselves is when I would look at certain things and consider taking not imitating it exactly, but I, I would I would take inspiration from something someone would do a certain project and be like, oh, I could probably do this this way, this way, like this. Um, and I'm like, nah, but I, I feel like it's fucking copying. And I don't remember who it was, but somebody told me they were like, uh, yeah, but they wouldn't do it the way you would do it. The way you would do it is individual to you. No one else can do it the way you do it because you are your own person you're a very unique person and everything you create and do is specific to yourself that's how i always if i lived at the time i would have been going out of my i would love to see salvador dali recreate paintings of other great painters yeah can you imagine how mind-blowingly just holy fuck that would be yeah yeah like i just i, I like i would love steven spielberg to remake some of the, Casablanca. Let Spielberg do it. Yeah. Like, that's why I don't, I don't understand why people get irritated at like remakes. It depends on if the remake pays homage to the original yeah. or just tries to replace it and out. Because I'm, there's times where I'm, I'm really on the fence. Yeah. Batman's the one that gets me. To me, Batman is still Michael Keaton. Tim Burton's Batman is Batman on the big screen because of the Joker, because of Jack Nicholson. Yeah. But the best Joker was really Heath Ledger. So I have a hard time with that. Yeah, speaking of fucking Jack Nicholson, 
how many times people fucking tell me they get Jack Nicholson vibes from me? And this is lately. I haven't heard this prior to like the last year. I don't As a know person if who's actually met him, yeah, you do. I don't see it. I mean, I like it's, Michael Keaton. It's, it's there's two things that you do. For one, your tone of voice oh, is okay. very similar. It's how you hold when you're speaking. Mm-hmm. You hold your head very deliberately at the at the, the the person or subject that you're speaking to. Yeah, and it's very it's almost isolating in a way that uh, is very. He can do that to the camera. And oh, okay, okay, okay. You do that, so that I, I totally. I wouldn't probably made that connection until you just said that. I got you. But like, that, when I, and I've only met him in in passing twice. Once I was working at fucking Walmart for fuck's sake. But <laughs> it's just this very. He's this intense energy. Yeah, and and he's got, and then he's, and then he speaks. It's like I every everybody talks about Morgan Freeman and how great his voice is. Mm-hmm. The first time you hear it in person, it's life changing. Hearing it in person versus recorded or mastered, that man could change nuclear power with his voice, and he doesn't know it. It is truly a superpower. Yeah. Jack Nicholson's just overall presence, the way he presents himself with his voice, his mannerism thing, it's it's power. And I don't mean that as in like a egotistical way or there. No. Just, just you just feel it coming out of them. And and I've been lucky to see that in a few people. Des Fafara from from uh, Devil Driver and Cold Chamber. Mm-hmm. He's just a force to be around. I fucking love Cold Chamber. I like yeah. Devil Driver too, but Cold Chamber is like that's that's got the that's got the space in yeah. here. Well, see, they were they were one of the the first headliners that I ever opened for, and so I kind of over the years, like we we've maintained a an acquaintance that's a little more than your basic, like oh, we know each other, like we yeah, talked yeah. like that. Um, he's let me interview him for other stuff and things, and it's funny as shit because when you talk about certain people that that influence your art or something, people always say never meet your idols. Hmm. I've been incredibly lucky and the people that I've met that I just truly idolized that I I've met, I've always been like, okay, I chose well. Yeah. And and he's yeah. one that that man, his, his spirituality and his ability to, to break very hmm. complex situations down and explain them to somebody in a simple way that doesn't make them seem feel like a child or stupid. Yeah. Like he should teach fucking college classes. Like he should, he should genuinely be some kind of a professor. It blows my mind at times. I actually have a story about him. Uh, so my story is not directly about him per se. That's how I found out about Cole Chamber. Uh, I went to a Christian camp in upstate New York. Sorry, uh, like one of the best segues ever. <laughs> and. Uh, I went there for like three years. It was a sleepaway camp. You would go and obviously stay for like two, three months. Um, and I remember before I really started like exploring personal style for myself or anything like that, uh, I was still just, you know, I was like, I was a young adolescent. I think the most I would do is back when I had hair, I would spike my hair. But that being said, this kid, I was at the main office and I watched this kid get dropped off by his parents. And it was kind of like his parents fucking pull up and almost like kick him out of the car. 
There's no hug goodbye. There's nothing. Like, and he's just like, you deserve this. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets out and he like looks at me. He was a lot older than me by like, I want to say like four or five years. And we would like hike to locations with the various gr- groups and set up tents. And I remember we all got put in his tent. Well, it wasn't his, but he was put in our, whatever, as a group. And, but I remember he was wearing the coal chamber dark days with the four skeletons yeah. shirt. And I had no idea what it was. And I was like, oh, I was like, the shirt looks cool. It's really simple, but like, it looks cool. What is that? And he's like, oh, it's a band. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, you're not going to tell me anything else. And then I remember he's like, you guys want to do some drugs? I'm like, what kind of drugs? And he pulls out a bunch of Sharpies. And it's like, we're going to, we're going to sniff these. And I'm like, I don't, what? (laughs) (laughs) And he just proceeds to like, he was dead serious about it too. Like, so just picture like the, the, the probably at, at that camp, the epitome of like a goth dude in like early 2000s sniffing sharpies and i had not been exposed to anything that direct in a while so that's my that's my culture and that's what forced me to look them up because i was like this dude's sniffing sharpies so i gotta see what their music's about and i was i was very pleasantly uh pleased see, in my nothing head, to do with i that. just have him sniffing sharpies just going big truck big truck over and over <laughs> yeah <laughs> that uh, uh you know that, uh, what was that song uh, that they had? No, it was like an extra. Uh, I think it was like, you know, remember back in the day during like CDs where they would have a song, it was like nine minutes. Yeah. And then like three be minutes of that. And then be, yeah. yeah. The one on Cold Chamber where he's like, hey, you know what, Ross? Let me tell you something. You know, Satan's real. Satan's real. That fu- You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I still have those CDs. I fucking love that. I I used to listen to that and just laugh my ass off because I could envision the recording studio when they were doing. No, come on. Let me let me take it back. Satan's real. People don't realize what it was like to be in those studios. Like when when Chino got basically kidnapped to be on Life Is Peachy to do their cover, the Ice Cube cover they did. Like they basically said, "Rap, bitch!" Like he was like, "I'm not supposed to be here." Like. (laughs) <laughs> he just did it and and you know shocked the monkey that, that cold chamber did and and ozzy yeah. like he's literally like i'll do a song with you guys like fucking a like who says yeah. that? like nowadays it's like there's a lot of be all this prep and we got to make sure that there's this way to work back and forth and it is it mutually beneficial for us to work together and blah 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 that yeah. that didn't go on back then it was is this fun are we gonna enjoy it and who gives a fuck what anybody else thinks yeah, and I, I love. I, I miss I, I that. Think it had like a a different feel. I fucking uh, I I did a stream the other day where I need to find it so I can tell you exactly the song real quick. But I heard in my mind at a random time. I had not nothing played that this song was in, but I don't know if you've ever like randomly heard a snippet of a song arrive in your brain 
and then it just stays there and you can't figure out where the fuck it came from like a instrumental part not really or even lyrical because i know for some people and then it stays with you this i'm sure seems familiar for a lot of people where they hear some part but it was it for me it was this instrumental part the intro and i was like i know it's 90s i know it's 90s what the fuck was that and it came from nowhere like i said i didn't hear anything that spurred this on i was literally like sitting there doing paperwork and then i just hear it like it was it started real low and then i heard it and i'm like i don't know why this is in my head now but now i need to figure out what i spent 45 minutes trying to figure out what this fucking song was i was on google and i was typing in like it sounds like this 90s i don't know if it's pop i don't know and uh i found it though uh it was the fucking bittersweet symphony by the verve you know that I where it's got that the, dude, the video for that is fucking genius the fucking violin shit that intro yeah. the, eh, 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 eh. oh my fuck so anyway i fucking found that and then i went to spotify and i was like 90s playlist and i just fucking i i uh added like inside out by eve six counting crows uh jim joe mr jones uh learn to fly foo fighters lenny kravitz four non-blondes blur uh lifehouse simple minds fuel uh so i just went and then for like two weeks because of me having add i gotta squeeze every bit of serotonin out of that momentary yeah. thing so i just i just fucking like those that song fucking specket would get she was like i wasn't born in the 90s i don't enjoy this the way you do and i would get home play it on the sound bar play it on tv and she's like why do you keep and i'm like i need every smidgen of serotonin out of this moment now i've, I've gone back to what i was like listening to before but there are moments yeah. though that like like for me i'll watch skate videos or i'll see some random thing and immediately like i have to go listen to punk yeah music is very autobiographical to me um being i, I think some of that comes from being a musician, but more being uh, an appreciator of the history of music. Yeah. Like you just, you all those artists you named it, like I have all those on different playlists. Like I make playlists, I make DJ lists for people and, and some of them are public and some of them are private and some of, but I mean, I do that. And every band you listed, I have a story or anecdote or something about from either mm -hmm. personal experience or something that happened to somebody I know or something, or, or, or a relatable like, oh yeah, like, I, I wrecked to, you know, you said Mr. Jones, like I, I fucking tanked my ass on a snowboard listening to that song. And I, <laughs> I, I fucking, I mean, I tanked my ass and I, I will always remember that, that, you know, Mr. Jones. And I was like, I got, I got, I got rolling down a hill. Yeah. Remember it. Like it, so I get that. I understand that. And I think that music does that and film does that. But what's really weird, there are certain smells that I have that yeah. will kick in a song i'll smell something oh, okay. and i have a song in my head and it's taken me in some instances i figured a couple of them out it took me like 15 years i smell sardines and the song la bamba like like the the, the new version the los lobos version pops yeah. up. how i said that and i saw it in your face like what the fuck yeah <laughs> like how would you ever and it's because the first time I watched La Bamba, and it took me forever, I was homesick. And it was one of those, and I'm old enough that, you know, HBO was a, a severe premium channel, but they would do weekly freeze. 
once a year. You got a free week uh, at HBO or a yeah. free week at Cinemax. And I was homesick from school. The only time I remember being homesick in elementary school. And that movie came on and all I could make myself, because I was like seven, was sardines and saltines. <laughs> it took me 15 years to come to that realization. But that's a weird one. Well, there's, I don't know why this is. The last time I was in New York, I smelled like this weird mix of like pizza and hot dog and hamburger. Mm-hmm. Like come out of, I was in Times Square and I smelled them all at the same time. And I could not tell you why, but the Golden Girls theme got stuck in my head. That one, yeah. I've been trying to figure that out for like six years, seven years now. Like, where the fuck did that come from? Can't tell you. But yeah, yeah I've that never one, had that before. That one fucks me up. Because lots of people just, have memory association with stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like it's that's that's what I thought actions. you were going with. But with me, I will actually soundtrack a smell, apparently. That's crazy. <laughs> it, uh, it's, and it's super frustrating. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to deal with that because especially if I was trying to search with like what you were saying, trying to figure out why said smell is associated with how do you, said how do you, song. How do you research that? Yeah. How, how do you research you can't? You just gotta not a, literally yeah. try and go through your memories and and what what trauma created that or what moment created, like <laughs> yeah. what the fuck really did that? Like I it's weird. And and that's part of why I like doing mashups though. Like I will hear songs, like I can't listen to most pop music without hearing other pop music in it. And so I, ma- I do mashups in my head. And, and I do several, like my DJ sets, I throw a lot of mashups out there. And people are like, why do you do that? I'm like, because I think it's funny. Because you'll do like a buildup of Rage Against the Machine. And it was like ready to go into it. And then it's BC Boys. And they're like, what the? Yeah. Oh, shit. This is. Have, you, have you looked up, uh, speaking of mashups, because uh, I'm not like super into mashups, but um, multi-horror is what it's called. Yes. There's one of, uh, it's actually, but what I like about it is it's not only just the song, it's visual. So they did uh, Saw, Hello, Zep, and combined it with um, Little Sister, or what, what is it? From fucking Lost Boys. What is my Hello, Little Sister? What's the song Cry, title? Cry, Little Sister. Cry, Little Sister. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, those two together, which works insanely well. Insanely well. well. The same key, same key, same tempo. Yeah. So Yeah. And then they have the person who edited it. If you look at it or look up like uh, multi horror um, on YouTube, it should be probably the first one to come up or one of the first. And they took 200 horror movies, like very iconic scenes, and put them together visually for that. And like you watch it, and there's certain, like, even I've seen tons of horror movies, and I watched that multiple times. And there are certain scenes where I'm like, I don't know where the fuck that's from, uh, but it's really, really well done. Yeah, I, I in my mind, I think that it, those concepts like that, when it when you've got the visual and the the music and the storyline and the the, I mean, I dig that. I think that's really yeah. cool because you're talking about two very different people. Miss Lost Boys. They miss how yeah. important to the horror genre that movie really is. That's why Corey Feldman's still doing the song. Well, that's not, never mind. Yeah, but, you know, but no, like, there's a reason that, that that those things just last the way they do. 
because yeah. a lot of people that was just that was a weird teenage movie that had vampires they don't realize that's the first time that they took the different they said there are different groups of people and different groups of teenagers and this is there are actual cliques they're in mm-hmm. niches and into people and and we're gonna play on that yeah and give a surprise ending too which was unheard of back then and it's just it still resonates the soundtrack is fucking killer the 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 I mean, Kiefer Sutherland is so iconic in that role, and and in many ways, he brings that role back in certain other roles. You see it and go, oh shit, he's still he's still that evil son of a bitch. Like I dig that, and it is why people like Corey Feldman still have a job. Yeah, in entertainment, like for me, Goonies was for all of Sean Astin, all of them. Like Goonies launched so many of those actors. I was just like, it's it's like. Uh, Dazed and confused in the in the late nineties, mm-hmm. so many actors were launching that. But and it makes me think of like the Brat Pack from um, Sixteen Candles, and and there's just so many movies made like that. That's the only one that's in the horror genre that really launched some careers and pushed some people forward and made them from like a solid B B plus actor to they were on the A list for a while. You know, it's my favorite. One of uh, Kiefer Sutherland's movies that not a lot of people are aware of. Fucking Dark City. Dude, that's a good love film. Dark City. And it's so unknown, which is crazy to me because just a fucking Well, it was it was it was a limited release and then it was basically straight to VHS and it never really made the leap to DVD the way a lot of others did. So good though. It is. Um I will I will say this I haven't uh, watched it in years. Oh, it's I, I made I made Speck to watch it because I have to get her brushed up on like a lot of stuff she wasn't exposed to. So uh which is 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 always fun because you get to re-experience movies with somebody you care about. Um do you do you get asked a lot like what are your favorite horror movies? Yes. All do you have the, the real list and the fake list? I, I have neither. I have neither. My because I, my memory is so shitty and I'm constantly <laughs> searching for like new shit to look at and watch it and i just uh so my go-to response is and it's the same thing with music uh i always say which neither that's it's not incorrect but i just say i have more than one of everything it's an impossibility for me to tell you my number one um so and usually they're pretty satisfied with that response because i can't it's for me uh i have a lot of nostalgia um associated with certain movies that are my favorite my go-to would absolutely always be hellraiser i love doug bradley um and i'm I'm very much into the hellraiser franchise but there are other ones that are more modern um lately i've noticed uh, a quick sidebar i'm well not really sidebar i've noticed when people Specifically TikTok, uh, when the conversation of a Serbian film comes up, there's this like weird fucking people are like, oh, if a horror fan brings up that Serbian film's their favorite film, then they're fucking. Here's my thing. Contextually speaking, that movie is is one of the few movies, plot-wise, shock-wise, I walked away from upset. Upset because I felt connected to the characters because I I felt bad for them. Oh, absolutely. To me, that's good cinema. And if you're mad about the context of what was done in the movie, then it did its job. Yeah. For you to be irritated because it it features all the horrible things that's in it, 
then that movie wasn't for fucking you and don't watch it. It's not a red flag if somebody fucking is like, hey, I really like that movie. I like that movie because I felt bad for the fucking characters, not because I was like, oh, yeah, there's all this horrible shit. I love it. I'm getting getting a my, fucking... My, watching that movie made me feel... It took me right back to watching Lord of the Flies. Yeah, yeah. The Kill Piggy. I was, that's, uh, that was the same emotional response I had. I was like, God, this is... I don't want, I don't want this to happen to them please please get out please please live you know it's when you have that investment with a character and they and when when they don't make it you're just upset and that's that's what makes for good tv too tv series that kill that's the genius of joss whedon oh you're everybody's favorite you're dying now yeah and he does that in pop culture movies no yeah no i i it it, it's the same thing to me and because i'm the same way have you ever seen the movie high fidelity or read the book not Jack, the book. Jack, Jack Black gets to actually play Jack Black in the movie. That's what makes the movie so great. And uh, I feel like I have. Yeah, at least I have, it was when I was young. Yeah. Anyway, he he owns a record store, and they do this thing where they do top five. Yeah. Top five favorite side one, you know, song one side ones, or you know, and because I can't, I'm the same way. I can't pick a favorite. You tell me what's your favorite song. Well, fuck. There's a thousand of them, depending on my mood. Yeah, what I'm reading or what I'm eating or where I am or who you know, it's it's completely again it's autobiographical and I feel the same way. I, as most people who are really into horror who aren't easily, I don't want to say easily shocked because it's not really that. It's more of those like when you're watching a horror movie, I would wager to guess that you very rarely forget the movie context of it. Like you look at it, and you look at you, the special effects and the makeup, and the that you look at the overall, even the cinematography. Like, ah, this angle is perfect because of like it just becomes bred in people who actually make films like this or have grown up knowing those kinds of things. Yeah, I do the same thing. I have a hard time watching a movie and thinking this is, you know, not a movie. Every once in a while, I'll slip and fall into the paradigm of of belief, and and usually it's based on a character, not necessarily. The, the whole overall thing but yeah. i don't tell people my favorite horror movies because i'm afraid they'll go look and then be real upset with me when they end up you know throwing up or freaking out i have one friend and i'm not gonna you you met her she watched a couple of the movies off my list her and her boyfriend at the time they watched a couple of movies off my list she found it one day like a list of things i've been watching and she had to she didn't speak for three days and her boyfriend went on a drinking bitch that that ended up ending their relationship oh wow i was like i don't i'm good i don't really want to be responsible for that kind of damage have you ever like they're not really that scary have you ever uh on the polar opposite of that had a movie that you have not seen in years and years and years but you remember it so fondly and you can basically recite it almost like from like a screenplay uh, perspective, almost to somebody. And you regale them with certain aspects of the movie, why it's so good. And then you finally convince them to sit down and watch it. And you watch it with them. And you get to those parts. And you're like, this is a far cry from what I explained to you. And I, in my mind, I had elevated it to such a level that I thought it was so much better, but it's been so many years. And the nostalgia, I think, is what 
You know what I'm talking about? You can't express that. No, No. Uh, several, 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 I will tell you that I was like, yeah, this movie was badass in, you know, 1996. Yeah. 1994, like the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Live action. I was like, this movie's so good. And I'm like, oh, this is so bad. It's it's just because of the association during that time. But there are those that still, like, The Princess Bride is timeless. There are some movies that you tell them and then they watch it like, dude, like that, that's what, I just, so many of my friends now, and this sounds simple, I am surrounded by no one that knows Star Wars. Really? They just don't know Star Wars, like almost no one that I hang out with on a normal basis. And it's really hard for me because I am like the Star Wars trivia god. Like I, yeah. I, I know really obscure, dumb bullshit, but I got to a point where I actually didn't watch much of like the Clone Wars or yeah. the newer stuff. Like I was like, eh, I, I, I can't, who am I, I can't share that with anybody, not locally. So I was kind of like, ah, fuck it. I don't even care. I don't even care anymore. And it, it isn't true, but a couple of my friends just watched A New Hope for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they were like, let me get this straight. That movie came out before you were born? It's like, yeah. And it's that fucking good? Yeah. Special effects, not the CGI ones, but the ones where they're like the trench and the speeders. That really really happened. And then I get to go, not only is that the case, but when you watch the sequels, they film those on real film and most of that is not CGI as well. They actually built the sets and built the, and they're like, what? And you get to show them that? That's the coolest to me. No, I feel that. You know, it's those moments when you actually finally make a connection with somebody. But God, now I'm like, like I just want to watch nothing but Star Wars all the time, and I want to <laughs> nothing but. It's I'm the same with comic book movies. I'm such a comic book nerd, and I was so fucking disappointed, like so fucking disappointed with how much trash the new The Batman with Robert Pattinson caught. Yeah, best plot of a Batman movie yet. And he's the I, best Bruce Wayne I've ever seen. I will say, Not the best Batman, best Bruce Wayne. I started to watch it and I didn't finish it. A lot of and people. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why. I don't know it's if it really was what long. I had. I don't know if it's what I had going on, but like the whole reason, I'm not gonna lie. My, it's probably my motivations. My motivations for watching it was because when that came out was wasn't that prior to this last Halloween like yeah. a couple months yeah so i got called fucking uh those dudes that he was beating the fuck out of because the makeup was somewhat similar because it was white with the black yeah. around the eyes you know like oh you're in a fucking batman i'm like no good job you identify cultural references that are unrelated you're yeah you're you gold star um so that's why i tried to and then i think it probably I'll, I'll probably have to go back to it well, it's like the, 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 the Joker. That's a great movie, but it's it's a horrible comic book movie. But it's a great movie about yeah. mental illness and how we treat people in this country. And yeah, Phoenix just fucking nailed that part. I have people asking me all the time, like, "What's your favorite band? What's your favorite this? What's your favorite?" And and movies and things like I I just delve so far into them that it's it's hard for me to get excited anymore about something new that's coming because I feel like I'm just setting myself up for a disappointment, not in the film or in the the book or in the game or whatever it is, but in the people around me. And just, they don't, they don't recognize impact of some of these things as much. Like Avatar 2, on one hand, on one hand, 
I want to see that movie fail because it was so expensive. Yeah. I, and I'm a huge James Cameron fan. Huge James Cameron fan. I, I, but I hate how expensive things are and how much mo- I hate the concept of money, especially in yeah. like pro athletics. Like I really don't get why a guy who makes so much more than say a surgeon or a physicist or like there's, I have a really hard time reconciling. You that. just don't understand. He can throw ball far. He can run fast. Okay. <laughs> Five million dollars. That's yeah. That no, like, precisely. I mean, I know you get it. I'm pretty <laughs> there, but but it's one of those things. Like with with this, like I want to see it, but at the same time, people don't realize. Like when Avatar came out, that movie was so. It's it's like when the Matrix came out. It was so new. Yeah. No one had ever seen anything like that. And like, what the fuck is this? I I really want to go watch it in IMAX just to really just completely ruin my senses watching that movie. Yeah, you probably would. I just oh, want to get wrecked by it, you know? Social media has in many ways ruined it, it opens opportunities, obviously. I mean, in many ways, we're both children of success because of social media. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, fuck, it just ruins some really great shit sometimes, too. Yeah. I think it, it it's just a byproduct of uh, immediate validation as well. Yeah. People expecting uh what they want now right now you give it to me now yeah and if they don't have it right now then they they're too impatient to wait five minutes while it's you know that's why everybody's pissed off about the ice cream machines yeah donald's because i want it right now well if you wait 24 hours and nobody wants to wait and then they don't they're fine we're not fixing it then (laughs) yeah (laughs) but all right well all of your social media everything you have it's all same hand the one correct yeah yeah uh, I think the Twitter is like Sam Hain the and then the number one, but I think I changed it so it should be because for some reason that was taken. Um, but yes, okay, I, I'm fairly certain I'll double check it all, but uh, I'm gonna make sure I do that up. And then you know, something I ask everybody because I do international music what are two songs you're listening to right now that you just can't stop hitting play on? Uh, so I did mention the one which was Bittersweet Symphony by the Bird. Yeah. And then another one which is like a polar opposite. Uh let me get to it real quick. It's it's this new newer music uh called Funk P H O N K. I don't know if you're <laughs> familiar. Um it's uh Murder in My Mind by Cordhell K O R D H E L L okay those ones are probably okay my top. just give me something to put in and stuff and give those artists a little more play time yeah. too. i love how youtube licensing is actually pretty cool i wish i wish tiktok would learn something from youtube on how that works yeah good luck with that but i can't even get most of the music to, like i have music on tiktok and i can't even use it no because like, you're not allowed to use yeah, it's like my music that i put out and i can't put it on my videos no absolutely not yeah, it's going to be super fun when we start putting out all our actual music stuff here soon, and they're going to be like, well, you can't play that. You don't own it. The fuck, I don't. But I made it. I literally have the, the, the notes and all the copyright info I can send to you. Fuck off, TikTok. But yeah. Are you watching the shit show that is Twitter lately? Uh, With Elon Musk and all yeah. that? Uh, kind of. It's uh, pretty funny, man. <laughs> most i'm sure you'll sympathize to a certain degrees most of the people that i like personally know that are on twitter are mostly porn stars uh 
So uh, it's, and I don't, no offense to anybody that does OnlyFans. I mean, like people that are associated with like Brazzers and fucking uh, Naughty America and stuff like that. So I just, that's all I see on my timeline. But then I will see on occasion sponsored posts or like promoted posts of uh-huh. like the Elon Musk shit. I try not to pay attention to it as much as I can because I'm like, he stop. My thing is, I just watched it in the fact that Bezos just turned in the worst fiscal year he's turned in in years. The fact that Elon Musk has spent billions upon billions upon billions of dollars just every go, will you please quit? Like they begged him. He put out a poll, like, do you think I should step down? And I, I did see that. Huge it's, people like, yes, go the fuck away. Like, fuck off. Yeah, please fuck off. And, and I just, it's like, the one thing I will give millennials is they've seemed somehow managed to be like, fuck the billionaires. And I, I'm kind of here for that. So what just fell? My phone. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I, I saw a comedian talking about, uh, I forget what his name is. He's familiar to me. But anyway, he said something to the effect of, like, I have an idea. Let's just, if, uh, if you make over uh, a billion dollars, you can enjoy it for 24 hours. And then if you don't start giving it to the poor, we're coming for you. We're going to kidnap you. You're done. And just make that like, a, he's like, what are they going to do? If we all banded together and just kidnapped billionaires. And I, he didn't go beyond that because I was like, well, I want to know what happens once we get them. But yeah. he, didn't, he didn't explain that. Step one. We collect all the underpants. Step yeah. two, still in a review. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Well, it was good catching up with you. Um, Likewise, man. We'll get this turned around as quick as possible. Yeah. So, I I'm appreciate you having finally, me. You know, fuck, we talked about this in 2019 before your move and COVID yeah. and all that shit. So yeah. here we are, latest fuck to the, to the wall. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we can make it happen, though. So, and hopefully, I see you at some point in person this year, this, this yeah. next year. With getting out there and touring and stuff again, so. I think we definitely make that happen. I, sure. so I know I'm coming to your neck of the woods at least twice next year, so okay. I'll make yeah. it as best I can. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good, man. All right. We'll talk soon. All right, man. All right. See you.